You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. So without further ado, would you make our guest speaker here tonight feel welcome? Thank you so much for being here, Pastor Tim and Rochelle. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks, Pastor. Hey, good evening. It's so great to be in God's house with you. Are you excited about being in God's house on a Saturday night? This is total spiritual extra credit, all right? When you leave tonight, if the Lord would return this evening, you will get extra zircons in your heavenly crown for coming on a Saturday night. So it's just a joy to be here, and it's so fun to be with Pastor Donnie and his family, and we so appreciate them. And I was thinking the first time we met them, I couldn't figure out where it was, and um, I texted him earlier this week. I'm like, you got to tell me where you got where we first encountered you. It was Doylestown, out, uh, when he was a youth pastor at the Doylestown Church, and then most recently in Pittsburgh. So it's great to have him on this side, the Eagles country, right? So I was born and raised in Harrisburg, and uh, Rochelle and I, honey, would you wave at everybody back there? Um, Rochelle and I moved from Harrisburg to Wichita, Kansas, which has been our home base for the last 25 years, and I am like one of only two Eagles fans in the entire state of Kansas. <laughs> And uh, so it's nice to be, you know, over here in God's country where we can all console our own grief together, <laughs> right, with that. But uh, it's just a joy to be here. In fact, would, um, would you mind, Lee, putting up the picture of our family? This is our whole crew. So um, over on the top left is our oldest son, Braden, and his wife, Olivia, and they pastor in Ohio. And then over on the right is our middle son, Dolan, and his fiancée, Belle. Um, They're both on staff at the same church in Texas and get married May 14 in Austin, Texas. So we're going to scoot. Next week, we're in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and we drive all the way to... It's like 24 hours of drive time all the way to Austin. I'm not complaining. But anyway, um, so we're excited for them. And then in the middle is our youngest son, Barrett. And here this next week, he finishes up his uh, freshman year at college, um, the Assemblies of God College in uh, Assemblies of God College in Dallas, Texas, Southwestern. And uh, he finishes up his first year there. And so he's like, not sure if he's a music major or a communications major. He's trying to figure all that out. But uh, anyway, that's kind of our story. All of these years, since we were married in 93, um, we have been traveling, teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we always kind of traveled in an RV and brought our family with us. Our kids are all kind of like Jesus carnies or something like that, <laughs> but they've all turned out all right. We don't have any that are serial killers or anything, but, but, um, but we're so thankful for the goodness of the Lord. Now it's reduced down to just Rochelle and I and one little toothless incontinent Yorkie, and... Um, <laughs> So that's kind of that's kind of our life, but uh, we're looking forward to what God has in store. And if you'd like to remember us in prayer, we'd appreciate it so much. Uh, we have our prayer cards back on the table in front of the media booth back there. If you'd grab one of those and remember us in prayer, we'd appreciate it so much. Um, in a normal non-global pandemic year, uh, we do typically right around 300 services in churches and citywide events, and about. 20, 25% of that time is typically overseas, but with shutdown and stuff like that, we've not done it. We had to cancel everything, which was a real bummer, but uh, um, all the overseas stuff. And uh, so I hope you'll keep us in prayer, though. Most of our overseas ministry um, takes place in one of two major contexts. The first is um, in uh, 
places where people have never heard the name of Jesus before, in places where they've never heard the gospel. And the second is in high persecution uh, contexts, typically in the Middle East and other uh, high Muslim countries. areas. And so God has really opened up some really unique doors for us in that way. And we're so grateful. So if you'd remember us in prayer, uh, pray for us this next week as we go to um, uh, Connecticut. And then, like I said, we hit Austin, Texas. So that's kind of a big stretch in there. So uh, I'm hoping the Yorkie will drive the whole way. That'd be great. Can you imagine? Um, Toons is the Yorkie. Anyway, but I hope that you'll remember us in prayer. We really, really do appreciate it. And thanks, too, for those that uh, feel prompted to give to support the ministry. Um, All of these years, God has made a way for us. We don't have networks of monthly supporters and send out a coffee mug each month or whatever. We don't do that. But just as God moves on people's hearts and the good people in, where were we last week? That's really terrible. Somewhere. Okay, so so there's a reason why I don't know where I am other than pure insanity. Um, so on May 25th, my lovely wife hits the big 5-0 exactly 20 days before I do because I'm married to a much older woman, and those 20 days... Those 20 days, I'm just looking forward to it. We're going to be living in different decades, and uh, so just pray for her. Where were we, babe? We were in Maryland. We're in Maryland. Oh, Frederick, Mar- we were in Frederick, Maryland, and then on Wednesday night, we spoke actually at my home church in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, and then here. So anyway, that's you know, probably more about us than you care, but it's just kind of nice to... Um, kind of get to know you guys. Um, If you're interested, uh, there are also some books and other things back there. We never make a big deal about them, but there'll be a blessing in your life if you're hungry to know more about the Holy Spirit. Um, In a nutshell, when I was 14 years old, I felt the call of God on my life simply these few words, teach about the Holy Spirit, teach about my Holy Spirit is what I heard three times. And and so it's kind of been our life pursuit. It's what we've been doing all these years, and and I hope that it will... um, the materials will bless you beyond this brief conference. Our newest book is this one, Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. Um, and it's all about how the Holy Spirit helps us to overcome the fears that hold us back. Um, really, really helpful, and it's a lot of fun. And if you're watching online, you can Amazon it or whatever. And then we also have um, a teaching rack back there. And I know most people are too cool for CDs anymore, right? CDs are what you give away in your yard sales. Um, but th- these are sets back there. Each one has a couple discs in them, and they're all keyed um, thematically, and they explain on the back on what they are. Um, the the material that's on here it really uh, thoroughly goes through each subject, so it's not like, ah, eh, there's like, you talk, tell two stories and read a scripture and it's done. It's thorough, systematic teaching uh, on these subjects, and uh, they're back there. Our subject tonight is on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we actually have a series on, it's entirely different material, but called Moving in the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Really, really helpful. And then there's several other teaching sets back there that are on specific gifts, like here's one on the word of wisdom and the gift of faith, and then here's one on the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits, and some real interesting stuff to help you to grow. If you're too cool for physical media, uh, we got you covered on a USB drive. It's in a little card with a, pull it out here, it's got a flip out USB drive, and it has everything on the teaching rack, plus it also has four DVD sets um, that are on there as well. It's over 25 hours of teaching on the Holy Spirit. So anyway, if it interests you, you know, if not, just walk on by, but, uh, but if it does, those things are there. All right, let's talk for a few moments about the Holy Spirit, and in doing so, I, I believe that God wants to bless us all in an extra way. How many like to lose a little weight? All right. So I'm going to enable you right now to burn 3.2 calories by standing to your feet. Would you stand with me to your feet? 
And uh, we're going to read together some scriptures off of the screen. Now, this is Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. We'll give a little more background there in just a moment. Um, it's in modern-day Greece. It's directly across the Aegean Sea from Istanbul, Turkey, just a straight shot. And uh, we're going to read a little bit of his writing to the church he used to pastor. He's now gone on and started the church in Ephesus, and he's writing them a letter addressing some of the problems he's heard about that they're having. They're having both doctrinal problems and practical problems, and he's trying to help them because he has the history. He's the guy that planted the church and raised it up and the trusted leader. And so the largest problem issue that he addresses is about the supernatural giftings of the Holy Spirit. We would find that chunk in chapter 12, 13, and 14 of the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's by far the largest thing he addresses. And we want to read just the very beginning where he kind of gives a little introduction to the gifts of the Spirit and what they are. You ready to read out loud, big and bold with me? Okay, so I want us to exercise in the Word of God. Um, if you don't read the Word of God out loud when you read your devotions, I, tr I challenge you to try, even if there's just one key verse that really jumps out at you, and and see it, and process it, and speak it, and hear the back feed into your own ears of your own voice, uh, speaking the Word of God. It's a great exercise, makes it easy to memorize, but let's read together, all right? Hit me the first one if you got it there. There we go, okay. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Next one, please. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit... And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. I pray tonight, Lord, that you'll help each one of us to come into contact with both the truth of your word. May it transform our thinking. May it elevate our understanding of you. May it be like an appetizer that makes us hungry uh, to know you more. But also, Lord, let us encounter you. I pray, God, tonight that every person in this room will encounter the Holy Spirit magnifying Jesus in some way in their life tonight. Take us to new places in you, new levels of openness, I pray. Teach us your ways. And Lord, as always, trying to follow your pattern of ministry everywhere you want, you taught about the kingdom and you healed the sick. And I pray tonight, Lord, that in tandem, the teaching about the kingdom will go hand in hand with your supernatural 
healing ministry. In fact, I pray right now that your healing grace will just settle in upon this room, settle in upon those watching online. We welcome your healing goodness to flow and take us places we've never been before. Lift us up, I pray, above pain and infirmity and sickness. We thank you, God, for ministering your goodness to us. Amen. 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 You can be seated if you like. If you remain standing, you'll continue to burn calories, but not as much, not as much. Well, can we go back to the first scripture slide, please? So when we, when we talk about um, Corinth, I think it's important to know, I won't get too lost in the details because I love history and culture and all that stuff, and I could just talk all night about stuff that's just culture. But suffice it to say that um, Corinth was kind of like the Vegas of the day. Uh, it was a really raunchy place to live. Um, you know, I mean, there's all, here's a couple sayings from the first century that kind of encapsulate what the Corinthian culture was like. You ready? These are well-known statements from the first century of, of, of uh, Greco-Roman Corinth, all right? Number one, you can't get as drunk as a Corinthian, And the man from Sicily says, that's right, right? <laughs> but you can't get, can you imagine that? To be known, like, and no disrespect to anyone that's served in the Navy or been, a, 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 you know, on, on the boating industry in some way, but like, we oftentimes say, it was kind of a bad judgmental statement, as drunk as a sailor or something like that, you know? But can you imagine if like your town was known for, man, those people, good night. I mean, they've got pickled livers, you know, in that town, right? Okay, that's one. Now, now here's the one that's really sad, and I'll be uh, cautious for the sake of little ears, but it actually became a crime in the Roman Empire. Uh, there was a crime named after the city of Corinth. To Corinthianize someone was to take very terrible, and that's what you're thinking is, is uh, uh, a very terrible liberties with a minor, okay? So can you imagine if there was a sin named after Fogelsville to Fogelvilleize somebody, you know, that's to, you know, make them run through fields with cow patties and bare feet or something. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I mean, can you, get, that's Corinth, okay? So Corinth was at a crossroads north and south. It was a crossroads north and south from Athens to Sparta. So if you went between the two major Grecian cities that you had to pass through, but then east and west, it was on a little neck of land. If you look at it, um, it's at the southern point of Europe. Anybody been to Greece? No? Anybody just a little, sitting by someone a little greasy? I'm trying to find any <laughs> common interest here. So um, the bottom of Greece, Greece is kind of shaped vaguely like a, like a figure eight, and the middle, that little neck of land, it's called isthmus, which is the Greek word for neck, all right? So this little neck of land right in the middle is where Corinth was. And so ships could come through uh, from the west, um, from the uh, um, uh, Bay of Corinth, out into the Aegean Sea on the other side, a little four-mile, five-mile wide neck of land. Eventually, they built a canal, and you would save yourself and have them going all the way around the Peloponnesian Peninsula, which is hard to say if, if you don't have any lips. All the way around, right? And the reason why that's so important, because remember a couple years ago, the big cruise ship that ran aground, and okay, and I know there's probably other stuff going on with that, but can you imagine doing that in a, a, a wooden boat with a sail, and that's one of the roughest part of the Mediterranean Sea, 
And for a little over half of the year, it was treacherous to make that passageway. So what they would do is they would bring the ships in on the west in the Bay of Corinth, and then they would pull them up with block and tackle and put them on big barges, land barges, and they would roll them. It would take about four days. It was interesting to do a study on the roll it across and dump it out into the Aegean Sea so they could go on the rest of the way. Very, very expensive, but a whole lot cheaper than losing everything uh, and the terrible storms and the, and the rocks. There's little tiny channels you'd have to go through. Very, very dangerous. So, so the sailors would stay in Corinth for four days, and they knew that on the fifth day they'd have to be sobered up and get back in the boat and do their job. But So all this stuff was going on there. It was a bad place. Plus, it was the center, the headquarters temple for the Greco-Roman god Aphrodite. You heard of her, okay? And again, little ears, but let's just say there was a lot of penicillin dispensed in that town, all right? Okay? I mean, for real. So at the top of this little mountaintop, the, the Acre Corinth, there were two main things. There was the military fort. If you've ever been there, there's still the ruins of the military fort. And then the headquarters temple of Aphrodite, which uh, was one of the main goddesses of the entire you know, uh, uh, pantheon there. But... Um, a specialized deity. She was a fertility cult. But then they, the Greco-Roman world had all these little specialized gods that did specialized things. You had Bacchus, the god of wine. You had you know all these different gods and deities that did things. And so if you needed something special, you wanted your grape crop to be, be blessed, you would go to the goddess or the god Bacchus's temple, and you would do a certain thing and pay a certain fee and do certain ceremonies and whatever, and then you'd hope to get something back. Do you notice when Paul is introducing uh, what's going on here with these scriptures, he goes, look, about the things of the Spirit, he's trying, to, uh, he's trying to help these people that are all basically brand new Christians within the last three and a half years. Um, he is now two years into his pastorate in Ephesus when he writes this letter, and before he was in Ephesus for two years, for a year and a half, he was at um, at. Corinth. He only stayed in Ephesus for three years. It was his biggest ministry, most successful. It became the second largest church in the world outside of Jerusalem there in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. But he's writing back to his friends that have an incredible pagan worldview where there's a little God that does a little bit of everything, right? So all these specialized um, uh, gods happening. So he starts out, look, ex-pagans, uh, about spiritual gifts. This is not spooky stuff. The special gifts the Spirit gives, these, these are not, this is not spooky stuff. In fact, if you notice, I'm using the NASB, which is probably not a version very many people read, but when you go from the original Greek into English, it just pulls straight down. It's the most literal English translation, which you go, oh, I want that, but it's also really clunky. Did you notice that when you were reading it? Um, so a lot of the other more modern versions kind of read a little easier than this. But you'll notice something that it does. The italicized words are, are words that were added by the translators to help you understand. So the word gifts, it does not appear in that first sentence. It's the word spirituals, pneumaticon. It means, uh, it certainly could mean spiritual gifts, and that's under it. But it's even broader than that. It's about super lofty spiritual things. Uh, spiritual concepts, spiritual things, spiritual people, spiritual gifts. It's about all the, the things that a new person would come in and go, well, I'm okay with the coffee and the worship, whatever, but what I'm feeling that I can't explain, that's what he's talking about. 
about the manifestations, about the, you know, like, like when we were having worship led tonight, and you talked about all that, you know, stuff going on in deep inside, in your chest, in your inner being. That's what he's talking about. All the stuff that kind of surpasses human understanding, I don't want you to be unaware. In other words, this is for everyone. 1 Corinthians 12, he kind of starts out like knee-high, and he goes, hey, new people, come on in. Let me help you understand this. And I think it's really good for us because he's not condescending or anything, and we shouldn't be either, but he's trying to help people that are maybe new to the ways of the Spirit to go, hey, listen, this isn't hocus-pocus. This isn't, you know, voodoo, whatever. It's not some weird thing going on. We're not going to lev- levitate a table with a globe on it, you know, whatever on it. Um, we're not going to dim the lights and turn the Yanny music on and put the chloroform rag of the Holy Spirit over your mouth, you know. <laughs> he goes, hey, you need to understand these things. So I think it's important for us right off the bat to go, look, God wants us to have understanding about these things. Now, we'll never understand all the mysteries, but if you have given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and we have, the, of course, the Word of God, which is the final say on all this stuff, to help us really navigate these things. Some people go, well, I'm not a touchy-feely person. Doesn't matter. You're a Christian. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, so you have the capability and even a better word, you have the inheritance of being able to understand these things and to operate in them. So I love that first verse. Then he starts out, he goes, okay, so you can understand these things. Secondly, remember when you were pagans, like just a little while ago? You just did whatever the idol priest told you to do. You were led astray by the mute idols wherever you were led, flying by the seat of your pants. Whatever that priest or priestess told you to do, that's what you did. Look, it's not that way with God. There is order in these things. And then he goes on to say, therefore I make known to you, no one speaking by the Spirit of God would curse Jesus. Um, that's based on a common um, idol practice where uh, if you couldn't get the attention of the God you were trying to worship, whatever, to get the stuff, because how many know idolatry is a two-way street of manipulation, right? You're trying to get what you want from the deity, and the priest or priestess is trying to get your stuff, right? So it's a two-way street of manipulation, and everyone kind of blinds themselves to that, but they all know what's going on, Right? And Paul goes, not like that with God. How many know God already owns your stuff anyway? He actually owns the atoms and the electrons of your stuff, you know? It's kind of funny that we think it's ours anyway. But he goes, look, it's not that way because a common practice was if you did everything the idol priest told you to do uh, time after time and you still didn't, your, your grape crop was still dying, they would come back at you, kind of the nuclear option, and they'd go, look, the reason why you can't get the god Bacchus's attention, the god of grapes and wine, is because he doesn't even know you exist. So you need to come into his temple, and out loud, we'll quiet everyone down, you blaspheme his name, call a curse on Bacchus, and then you'll get his attention. Then you'll have to pay through the nose, mortgage your house, sell your kids, and then then you can start getting favor, but you're not even on his radar. So Paul is saying, you don't play that way with Jesus. You don't, you don't get his attention. You don't manipulate him. This is not an idol system. You're not going to curse him. And then he goes on to say, and no one would ever say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit prompted them. And that's really important because if you understand the incredible persecution the Christians were facing at this time, 
This I've heard people go, this is how you can tell if someone is demon-possessed. Can they say Jesus is the Lord? That has nothing to do with that. How many know it's very easy to find a demon-possessed person? You can see them. They'll have a Dallas Cowboys jersey on. Very, very, very easy. All right? Now, look at the next one, please. Check out the next slide. So Paul goes on, and he's trying to help us. Um, He goes, look, so there are varieties of gifts, but the what? Same spirit, varieties of ministries, but the same Lord, varieties of effects or outcomes, but the same God who works how many things? All things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. We'll come back to that one in a moment. Um, Next slide, please. Uh, For to one is given the word of wisdom through what? Whom? The spirit. And to another, the word of knowledge according to the? Same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the effecting of miracles. Um, Next, please. And to another prophecy, distinguishing the spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation. Look at the second sentence. But one and the same spirit works all these things. Now, why is that important? Because he's talking to pagans that have a little niche God for everything. So he's trying to help them to see, look. You go to the source. It's one and the same spirit. We're not, you don't take Jesus and add him to all the other things you're worshiping. It's Jesus alone. And so this is really important in their culture, but probably none of you were polytheistic pagans before you got saved. Maybe, I don't know. But kind of the premise of that does sort of get into us, even if you've served the Lord since Abraham and Sarah's engagement party or something. I don't know. Some of this... Working the system business to get what you want from God can still be found in us. And so we have to be really cautious about this because notice it's not like I hear people talk about the healing angels and all this stuff. Patently unbiblical and unimportant. We go to the source every time, right? We don't want, we don't get it through God's distribution network. God's not like an Amway guy with a multi-level whatever, and you pay the way up and whatever, which is really the reason why I brought you all here tonight, to let you know that it's more than a product. It's a lifestyle. No, okay, all right, sorry, sorry. No disrespect. It's just uh, been around pushy people before. But um, God is trying to get us to see that every time one of these spirit manifestations are given, the Holy Spirit himself is the one handing it to the person. That's pretty sacred because you're not getting it from some underling with a paper trainee hat on going, I, I, this is my first night to do this, you know? It's from the Holy Spirit himself. This speaks of the divine contact that we have. We appreciate ministers and ministries, but at the end of the day, the New Testament message is now in the family of God, all of us are priests in the family of God. We have one mediator, Jesus. We don't need some specialized person with a golden hairpiece and a private jet and a prayer tower and whatever, and that's, that's fine for them, you know, and no disrespect on TV evangelists because they all have a golden hairpiece, but... But we go to Jesus ourselves. Paul's trying to get these people to know, you don't need anyone else in the middle. It's you and Jesus. We respect leaders. We receive from them. We respect them. But they're not the source. It's the spirit of Jesus who is taking what is Christ's and making it known to us, John 16, 15. And so that's really, really, really important. Um, Can we go back just one slide? I want to talk about one thing. Okay, one more. I was just joking. All right. So look at the bottom sentence. But to each one 
is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each one. So he's talking here. It's kind of hard to tell, um, even in the original Koine Greek text, if he's talking to each person or to each circumstance that you're in that these gifts would be manifested. It's kind of hard which one he's talking about, but it's pretty obvious it's both. So now the reason why this is important is Every time the Holy Spirit moves upon you to be used in one of these ways, it's the Holy Spirit himself. We kind of mentioned that a moment ago, but important to underline. But also important to realize that every circumstance that a gift flows in your life, that is of itself an encapsulated dose or gifting. Um, There are a lot of people that try to say, well, you know, I have the gift of whatever. I have the gift of that. I have the gift of, you know bloviated sense of self-worth and importance, you know, whatever. It's like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit who has the gifts. Our role is simply to manifest them. And this word manifestation is a cool word, and sorry to get lost in the weeds, but um, so check this out. So the word manifestation was never a word until a dude named Jerome was translating the Bible from Greek into Latin, the Latin Vulgate. Maybe some of you have heard of that before. It's an old, old, old thing. So it's kind of a Bible so that people that didn't speak Greek for New Testament or Hebrew for the old could kind of read it, even though most of the world was illiterate. So he was writing, and he gets to this scripture, and he gets to this word manifestation. It's the Greek word phaneroses. There'll be no test on it. So phaneru is the idea of a bright light, and then the osis part is the verb part that says it comes like a, a flash of light. So it's the idea that it's a temporary thing and then disappears out of the blue. Like um, it, phaneroses is the Greek verb that they would associate with lightning. We would say a flash or a bolt, right? They would say phaneroses, the idea of it. So Jerome gets to this and he goes, hmm, how can anybody have a little Latin in your background? Okay. Or Latino would be the same, same base. What is this thing in in Latin, anybody? Or, or Spanish, any Latin? Mono, right? Your hand? M- manual labor. Is it the same in Italian? Yeah? Okay. It's, but Sicilian's a different language than Italian, right? But it's still Latin-based, though, right? And you probably have Italian, too. So you got the, you got the hand, right? So this is the way he translated phanerosis, a brilliant, temporary, bright light that dissipates. Does it, the bolt comes down from heaven to earth, breaks your oak tree up, sets it on fire, and then disappears, Right? Man, okay, and then you have the word fest. It's the root word for festival, which is actually based on the idea of dancing. So Jerome coins this word, the dancing hand of God. It's kind of a beautiful thing. So you're in a church service, and all of a sudden there's a worship, and God dances over here with his hand, lays it upon our sister, and she gives a beautiful prophetic word. You know, dances over here and someone gets healed. Dances over here, some revelation happens or something happens. Because Paul is trying to say these gifts are not a showcase to be isolated once a month, the fourth Sunday of the month. We're going to have, you know, something's going to happen. They're going to come out with a top hat and the cape on and (laughs) chop the church secretary in two pieces and put her back together, you know, whatever. It's not like, but this is to be a common ordinary occurrence. And when he gives these list, this list of nine common manifestations of the Spirit, he's not like, hey, once or twice in your life you might see these things happen. 
But he's going, this is the normal way in the churches that the things that God does commonly. And he lists nine. How many know God does a lot more than nine things? But he's trying to help us to get our brain around some of the ways of God and how he works in these things. Um, tomorrow morning in our text, we'll, we'll kind of pick up some of this stuff. And don't miss tomorrow night. All right, tomorrow night's going to be awesome. But um, so um, let's look, if we can, let's skip beyond this. Uh, oh, you know what? Go to the last scripture slide. I'm sorry to make it bounce around. You're awesome with your patience with me. Okay, so look at the bottom line here. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one. And again, that word one is either person or moment, probably both, individually. In other words, his hand is on every one. Really important. That's why we treasure these things, but we also know God's using people. How many of you are people, right? So we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Individually, just as we want. Just as we order. God is like a vending machine. You just put the right amount of coins in, hit the right number, you know, C3, and then you get what you want. That worked out good, didn't it, at the bottom, right? But it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's what he wants. And this goes back kind of, too, to the idea of I have gifts. You know, you won't find that language really in the Bible, You'll find God has gifts for you, but you don't find someone who's being used them going, I have them. That's kind of a Western world concept where we want to find self-importance in these things. Again, if you're, you and I are looking for a reputation in these things, that's just kind of gross to God, kind of pukey, actually, if you want the biblical term, read Revelation or Jonah. But um, this is, that's kind of the, the wrong way of looking at it, trying to find attention in these things. I have never, honestly, I've never found a circumstance where out of biblical humility, I would have a sentence off my lips that I have the gift of whatever, you know. Uh, but it, you could, if you had to say it, you could say it. And, and maybe I'm like way too far away from the fence because I'm afraid of getting shocked. But uh, maybe you could say, you know, God occasionally would use me in this gift or something. But even then, I, you know, at the end of the day, they're his gifts, and it, all the glory goes to him anyway, and the whole idea is that Jesus gets more fame and renown, not the person being used. So here's kind of the metaphor for this. Um, you have three parties involved in the gifts. It's like going to a restaurant. Remember when we could go to restaurants? And so, um, so you have, uh, you know you're infectious when you're walking into the restaurant, but the moment you sit down, you can, the, it's altitude and posture is what takes the germs away. All right. Um, Okay, so um, I know everybody's trying really hard to do the right thing, but some of those things just crack me up. Um, so in the restaurant, you have three basic parties involved. You have the diner, the eater, which is my favorite role, all right, of the three. Then on the other end, you have the chef who's cooking up everything. And then in the middle, you have the server, the waitress, the waiter, whatever terminology, right? So you have those three parties, the eater, the server, and the cooker, right? Now, this is kind of the way these gifts work. We could say that the consumer, the person benefiting from the meal, is the person benefiting from the gift. We benefited tonight from a prophetic word. It built us up. It encouraged us. We recognized God is here and you know, helped us in a lot of ways. But just, just, a, just a nudge going, oh, God is here. He's for me. He loves me. He cares for me. It was a beautiful word. And most often, the most profound prophetic words are the most simple 
you know? Um, and that's kind of the way it is. So then we had someone being used. They were reaching to the kitchen. They didn't cook up the word. If they cooked up the word, that would be called a false prophecy because it would be coming from the person's own imagination and understanding. But it comes from a different shelf. They reached into the kitchen, and whatever the cook, the Holy Spirit served up, they reached in, and they go, here you go. And so this is the same thing that works in all of the gifts. You're praying for someone to be healed. You can't make the person be healed. There's no formulas, but you can reach to heaven and see what the Lord's cooking up. Our goal in the middle is to go, here you go. When you leave a restaurant, very rarely that you'd ever leave going, boy, that food tasted incredible. What a server. You may go, you know, hey, the service was exceptional. They were great. Leave them an extra tip and compliment the manager for them on the way out. That's cool. But I'm talking about the actual food itself, what sustained you and benefited you. You don't leave going, boy, that's the best, you know, uh, beanie weenie I've ever had. Uh, wow, what a server. It's, wow, what a recipe. What a chef, you know. And it's the same way. All the attention goes to him. Now, there are basically three categories of gifts. We'll look a little bit more at this tomorrow briefly, but hit me with the next one if you would. So we have, uh, in these nine manifestation gifts, kind of fall into three categories of function, and actually the Apostle Paul breaks them up this way in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 too, but we won't get to that scripture till tomorrow. So first of all, we have this category, the revelation gifts. Now, this is not like the book of Revelation and the blood moons and the four horsemen and nuclear bombs and the, you know, the barcodes is the mark of the beast and all. It's not that kind of stuff. This is revelation as in revealing something, making something known that would normally be hidden to our understanding. You could simply say in a nutshell and in a nugget, thinking God's thoughts. So this is not hacking God's hard drives where you just know everything. That's called being a know-it-all, right? This is where God gives you just a nugget of something that he wants you to know to accomplish something. They're all purpose-oriented. It's not so you can go, nah, 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 right? It's so you can know. And he uses this terminology that helps us to know that it's chicken nuggets, not the whole chicken, all right? So word of wisdom, that word word is logos, which is the idea of not the whole sentence, just a word, just a piece, just a portion, just a nugget, not the whole chicken, of wisdom, um, of Sophia is the Greek word for that. You probably, maybe there's a Sophie here tonight, but a beautiful, beautiful word. It's the idea of knowing what to do in a circumstance. You may not know why, but you know what to do. And probably all of us have experienced this is actually one of the more common things. It's not one of the ones that make you go, wow, because it's not usually publicly known, but it kind of motivates you. Maybe that one time God had you drive the back way home and you avoided the accident. Or honestly, this gift happens nonstop in the life of a church and leadership and ministry, knowing what to do with people and circumstances and all these things. And you just follow those inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. They don't get a lot of fanfare. Uh, a lot of cool examples we could give. Um, my, my favorite one on this, honestly, years ago, there were some missionaries um, to Beirut, Lebanon. They're eating breakfast. This is in the 70s before the big war there. And they're eating breakfast, and the husband looks at his wife and goes, honey, I'm, I, I'm just really, like, disturbed. And she goes, yeah, me too. What's up with you? And he goes, I just have this really peculiar feeling that we're supposed to go lie down in the bathtub and she goes, I'm glad you said it. Me too. It's been eating me up, and I feel like we need to urgently do it. And they got up from breakfast, and they ran down the hall, and they climbed in the bathtub and laid in the bathtub. No water, just laid in their, you know, shoes and all, you know. And, 
And they start laughing, going, this is the dumbest thing in the world. We're going crazy. When all of a sudden, their second floor wood-framed apartment building was shot through by machine gun fire, and they could hear the rounds pinging off the cast iron in the tub. That was the only bulletproof place in their apartment, and that's where God sent them. You know, They didn't know why, but they knew what they needed to do. And so that's kind of a cool thing. Just a nugget. Then a nugget of knowledge, gnosis, information, data. Now... Probably most of you have been using this one, too. How many have ever had this thing where out of the blue, God just prompts you to pray about someone or to care about? Someone just comes to mind. You just can't kick it. You got to pray. You're getting words of knowledge. You're getting nuggets. Or, you know, you're teaching a class and, or, or leading a home group or talking to someone, and God just goes, talk about this. Talk about this. He gives you just a nugget of data. This oftentimes happens with healing and with other things as well. God does those things. But most commonly, it's, you know, a prayer burden or, or something like that. Discerning of spirits. It's a cool word, discerning, or I think NASB says distinguishing, which is actually probably a better, better word. It's the Greek word diakrino, diakrisis. So dia is through, and krisis is searching. So it's not going, this is, there's no such thing as a gift of discernment where, you know, Marge just gives me the willies. Boy, I've insulted two people, Marge and Willie there. Sorry, all right. Um, but um, it's, you know, there are certain people that seem to be a little more intuitive and pick up on cues more than others. That's not what this is. This is finding out what spirit is motivating something. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it just selfish humanity? Or is it a demonic spirit? And Paul picks this up in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. He talks about this in discerning prophecies. So I love when pastor came up after the prophetic gift, and he was, hey, let's hear that again to make sure everyone hears it, which is important. And then he let all of us kind of weigh it. And what do you think? I felt that was from the Lord, don't you? Yeah, 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 thank the Lord. He was giving us all an opportunity. We go, yeah, hey, there's no red flags here. That, that resonates in my heart. This comes from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul gives us that in 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, and then, so thinking God's thoughts, okay? Then look at the next category. We have doing God's deeds. These are kind of associated with the hand, the demonstration gifts. We have gifts of healings, and the double plural is there in the Greek, very likely to show the variety that is there. You know, of, how many know God can heal anything, right? anything. Uh, just mind-blowing what he can do. Workings of miracles. That's workings is energema, where we get our idea of energy. And then miracles is the word dunamis. If you've been around Pentecostal or charismatic church, you've heard that word dunamis. That's Acts 1-8. You'll receive power dunamis when the Holy Spirit... It's that word, supernatural ability. You would say that would be because there's a special category for physical recovery. This would be anything else supernatural God does, you know, changing weather, protection, provision, even divine judgment. I mean, all kinds of stuff in that miracle category. Gift of faith. This is a special faith God gives you for something. Like... Uh, um, a specialty faith, like maybe some of you have an unsaved loved one, and you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for years, and you don't think like anything's going to happen, and then one day, just when you're praying or out of the blue, all of a sudden, you just kind of know it in your knower that they're going to get saved, and now when you pray, you pray with just a different level, a turbocharged level of confidence, you know, or even uh, maybe you're involved in the facilitation of this building, and the property here, I don't know how many have been around, what was like seven years ago, or how many years ago you moved here? Yeah, to this building. 
about five years ago. So how many are here like five years ago? You're, you're long-termers. All right, so if you've been here a while, you were probably involved in the, hey, we need to pony up and buy this property, right? And so what happened? They presented, hey, here's what we could do. What do you think? And the Holy Spirit moved on hearts. You began to pray, God, what do you have us to do? Maybe some of you, I don't know, maybe some of you are still paying building pledges because God gave you a special faith to say, hey, you need to do a little more than what you thought. You know, or a missionary comes, you're like, man, we need to send them. They're, they're reaching the survivors of the Alderaan genocide. We need to go and, and, and help them out, whatever. And you're, you know, but a lot of times this gift of faith is a special thing or God's calling you to do something great. I talked with a gentleman whose daughter's a missionary and uh, God moved on her heart to go do something, gave her a special faith to go to a place she had never been before the first time she went to reach people she might not have even fully known the language at the point yet and to go and do. That's that special faith. And God has that for all of us as well. And then finally, the communication gifts. This is speaking God's words. So we have thinking God's thoughts or knowing God's thoughts. Again, just nuggets at his will, his discretion. We have doing God's deeds, and then we have speaking God's words. So we have public tongues, and then the interpretation of public tongues. Remember, of those two gifts, 1 Corinthians 12.30 says, not everybody's going to do those. But of praying in tongues, which was what comes with spirit baptism, Paul says, all of you can do that. So a lot of people misunderstand that because they don't read the scripture in context. They just know there's that one verse that says, not everybody speaks in tongues. Well, that's actually not what the verse says. Paul says, not everyone is going to do public tongues or interpretation of tongues. That's like stand up and speak out and then someone else interprets. Not for everybody. And all the Pennsylvania shy, Dutch shy people go, thank the Lord, Whew. right? Okay. But of the ability to privately pray in tongues, Paul says, I want you to follow me in this. This is very important, and all of you can do this. That doesn't, no one else ever needs to hear you in that. And then the gift of prophecy, which we experience tonight. This is where some communication is given from the things of God. Now, the way Paul writes these is that these are common, and he's letting the church, the new people in, in chapter 12, he addresses the people that have been around in chapter 14 and gives some correction and kind of some rails and guardrails on it. But in chapter 12, he's really addressing the people that have never even thought of themselves being used in these ways and thought it was all kind of spooky and for only for the Jedi masters and not the mere Padawans, right? And he's like, hey, you can all get in on this. It's, a, it's an all skate. Remember that one? And, uh, you know, you can, all, you can all get in on this. You can all get in on this. And um, I, I, think it's, I think it's important for us because probably... Most of us don't think on a day-to-day -day basis, hmm, I wonder what gifts the Holy Spirit is cooking up today for me to serve to others. But that's kind of really what he's saying. In fact, in verse 25 later on, he says, when you come together, each one has something. Each one is reaching into the kitchen and seeing what the Lord is serving up. And so it's not like, oh, what, you know, like Powerball. On the fifth Sunday of the month, we reach in and you know, ah, oh, gift of criticism. Okay, we got it. Great. Praise God. You know, whatever. But it's, it's like, what do you have? What is, what is God doing in you? What is he birthing in you? And it is probably true from the writings of Paul that you and I will probably more fluently and frequently be used in some gifts as opposed to others, you know. But he never excludes the idea that God couldn't use us in all of them if he wanted to. It just depends on how open we are. I remember years ago, 
uh, we were first in ministry. We didn't have any kids yet, and uh, we were traveling and ministering actually at the church we were at last week in Frederick, Maryland, long, like 94, 95, something like that. And um, the first, first service, God really came down and did all kinds of wonderful. A lot of people were getting healed and stuff, and it was really really wonderful. And so then the next service, I felt the Holy Spirit's power again, and I just assumed that, hey, it's happening again. So began to pray, and nothing, nobody got healed that night. And it was kind of confusing, because it was the same level of God is here, this presence, his awesome presence, but there just wasn't a healing. And I, I went back that night and just began to pray. I just shut myself in and began to pray, going, God, what in the world? What, how did I? Because don't you kind of get, like, introspective and like, well, how did I mess that up, you know, kind of a thing. And um, that's kind of what I felt. And the, and the Lord began to really speak to me as I was praying and devoted myself to prayer on it, because the Holy Spirit's a great teacher, the Bible says, but I want to add my own per- parenthetical notation. He's a great teacher, but only if you show up to class, right? You don't, if you skip class all the time, you don't learn anything. And so it was simply, I, I began to pray and, and seek the Lord. And he showed me um, with a hotel we were staying in had adjoining rooms with the interlocking doors. You ever stay in a hotel like that where if you buy both rooms, you can get in. But if you open up your door and you'll notice that there's like a metal plate on the other side of your door and there's a metal plate where the knob is facing you, both have to be in agreement at the same time in order to make passage. And so I thought, Oh, okay, the Lord's speaking to me in a parable here. Okay, great. So last night I ran to the door of healing because that's what I thought he was doing. I opened up my door and I was met with nothing. And then I began to panic. I'm like, man, not only are there there these nine things, but God can do anything. How in the world am I supposed to know what door to open up? I I felt this tremendous, you know, pressure on me all of a sudden. Like, I can't do that. Because honestly, no matter how much you're open to the things of the Holy Spirit, you never know what you're doing. He knows what he's doing. He's the chef, right? We're just reaching in the kitchen. But um, the Holy Spirit spoke and real quickly uh, quelled my fears on that. He's like, you just work on keeping all of your doors open. Then when I open mine, the gift flows naturally. And so it just changed my worldview on it. So I began to simply pray. And it's typically every day. I'm sure I miss a few, but it's typically every day. I just kind of pray through these gifts. You know, Lord, for the revelation gifts, if you want me to know something, I open myself to you in that way. I just want to pay attention and listen. Lord, if there's something you want me to do, you know, the demo, Lord, I open up those, those doorways to my life, and I'll try my best. I promise you I'll make mistakes. You make mistakes ever? Yeah? When the Holy Spirit's on you, you're not perfect. You're still a human being. I've heard people prophesy with a southern accent and bad grammar. It's still a prophecy. It's God using the person. Um, you know, I've seen people receive healing when the person praying for them was, you know, like way over the top, pushy and physical, like, you know, grabbing them by the ears and shaking them like a cantaloupe. How many know you don't have to do that, right? Okay. And I've also seen just really low key, just like, hey, be healed. Okay. And they're healed. And so the, the way it's transmitted doesn't matter, but we just need to make sure that we're not adding our own spices to the soup mix, you know? Um, and, and then I pray, God, you know, open myself up to the communication gifts. What do you want me to say? And we'll do that in just a moment. Have you ever been out on a, on a hot day working in the yard? You get all muddy and maybe you get thirsty. And so rather than going inside because you're going to go right back out, you, you grab the garden hose and you crank on the spigot and you grab yourself a nice, refreshing mouthful of hot rubber hose water. You've done that before, right? So 
What's happened? The conduit that it's passed through has flavored and changed the temperature of the water. It's still water, but what's the lesson you learn? Let it run a little while, right? You know, let it blow out all the sea monkeys and then it's okay. And this is, this is kind of, kind of the way it is with the gifts. Like a lot of people, they only think about the gifts like, okay, oh, Sunday morning on the way to church, I got to do two things. I got to fight with my family and I've got to pray, right? Okay. Okay. So, and you got to pray because you usually feel bad for fighting with your family. But um, so because we typically compartmentalize the moving of the spirit to Sunday mornings only or whatever, and certainly Paul is talking about believers' gatherings in this, although how many know the gifts can flow anywhere? In fact, they probably flow best outside of church. But um, he's trying to tell them, look, you know, be open and be, be fluent and, and get some understanding and get some, you know, God wants to do these things a whole lot more than we're ever perceiving. But a lot of people only open the doors for this on Sunday mornings. So if you have like six and a half days of I haven't turned my hose on, you're going to blow out hot rubber hose water on everybody for a while. And so people don't really grow and learn to be using these gifts, and the, and the gift never develops because they don't think about their role in this. So I challenge you, take like the next seven days. You know, it's not a big thing. Take five minutes a day. Just add it to your, you know, here, I can do this for all your phones. Hey, Siri, add a reminder, 4 a.m., pray for the gifts. Okay, stop. All right. I was just joking. Stop. Okay. All right. So, um, it's no, seriously, stop. No, don't do it. There we go. Okay. All right. So, um, but if you just stop and pray and open up, you're, you're kind of blow the water out every day a little bit. And Lord, not only on Sunday, but what do you have for me today? Who am I going to interact with? What do you need me to know? What do you need me to say? What do you need me to do? And then when you're around people, you reach into the kitchen. You don't have to become some spooky weirdo to do it. Just go quietly, just quietly. Hey, Lord, what's the download? What do you want me to do here? And if you really love and care for the people you're around, it's very easy to reach into the kitchen, but it's often hard for us to get over the hump of ministering to the person. But all you have to do is you have to stop and go, hey, Jesus died for this person. I mean, this is the inner monologue. Jesus died for this person, and he loves them more than I do, and... I don't care if they like me or not, or they think I'm stupid. You know, I probably am. I don't know. I don't. How many of people are always thinking pretty much the worst anyway, right? Look at your neighbor right now. They're already thinking the worst about you right now at this moment, right? But here's the magic question that I've found opens me up to the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's simply this. You look at them and you go, okay, they're the object of the love of God. I wonder if they know him yet, or I wonder what God has for them. And then you turn to the Lord, and the question that most often opens up a prophetic gift for me is, this is not like magic incantation, but it's the, the ethos of this statement in prayer. God, what in your heart of love are you saying to this person? What in your heart of love do you want to do in this person's life? How can I partner with what your will is for them to see it come to pass? You pray a prayer like that, and you put your antennas up, and you don't have to wait to Sunday to be used in the gifts. You can be used right where you're at. Mom and dad, pray that prayer for your kids. Because how many know kids are like a safe and you never learn how to crack them, right? And, but Lord, what in your heart of love? Not in your heart of punitive, you know, uh, sentencing. But what in your heart of love do you have for them? What about your marriage, you know? 
It just changes everything. So I want to invite you to stand with me to your feet. We're going to burn some more calories. Lift up your hands real high. This is just a stretch, all right? Don't, don't get spiritual yet. Lift them up as high as you can. All right, now, then rock all the way back. Put your hands on the floor, feet straight up. You got it? Okay. I would do it. I just don't want to show off, all right? Um, okay, but now would you lift your hands up and surrender to the Lord? And brother, you want to come up and hit some Aerosmith for us, all right? Just reach them up right now. And would you just join me in opening yourself up to the things of the Spirit? Let's start out that first verse about these things I, God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Would you just begin to thank the Lord out loud with me that God will help each one of us understand and operate in these things? If you're home online, you've got to lift your hands up too. You can't, you can't just sit there. Come on, let's lift our voices together. Thank you, Lord, that you would let someone like me operate in the things of the Spirit. I'm so grateful, Lord, for your supernatural grace and help. Thank you that you put handrails on this thing. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you use imperfect people. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you that you would help me to understand and know, no matter how I perceive myself or whatever, that you know for me that you have supernatural giftings available. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, brother, I think the last slide has like a big list uh, of stuff. I want to ask you, would you just take like 90 seconds and pray through this list and welcome the Holy Spirit? Now, some of them you're going to go, I don't really want that one. But pray about it anyway, because selective yieldedness is really not yieldedness at all. You know, so it's like whatever you want, Lord. And just realize that you're scratching the surface of what God could do in your life. So maybe keep one eye open and, and kind of pray through this list. Come on, this, let's work through the, the revelation gifts right now. Maybe even want to symbolically lay a hand on your own head or whatever. I don't know. Lord, I just welcome you to use me in these revelation gifts, Lord Jesus. If there's something you need me to know, I welcome you, Lord. You can, like the emergency broadcast system, you can just take over my channel, Lord Jesus. I pray for that prompting. I pray you'd help us to discern your promptings. Show us where they come from. Help us to identify them. We welcome words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Lord, we promise we won't get all proud and all self-absorbed in these things. But Lord, I pray for these supernatural helps from the Holy Spirit to come to give us the wisdom and the knowledge and the discerning that we need in, in those critical moments. May they operate like a natural safety net for us without a lot of striving. May they just be there, and may we trust that prompting. Thank you, Lord. And then, God, for the demonstration gifts, I just like to lift my hands to God, say, Lord, they're yours. You made them. Lord, you've got dibs on my hands. Lord Jesus, for gifts of healing, would you use these hands to heal the sick? Hang nails and all, Lord Jesus. Use them for your glory, for workings of miracles, Lord. Demonstrate your power through my life. And then, Lord, for the gift of faith, Lord. Oh, God, use me for your glory, I pray in these ways. I just, whatever you have, whatever you're cooking up in the kitchen, Lord, let my hands serve it for you. And then, Lord, for the communication gifts, for speaking. Lord, I welcome your supernatural ways to be voiced with my voice, Lord Jesus. This mouth that's gotten me into all kinds of trouble over the years. I yield it to you. Would you make it holy like Isaiah experienced? Put the hot coal from your altar on my lips. And would you purify my mouth to not be something that tears people down all week and then tries to prophesy on Sunday? But would you purify it all week long? May I realize that 
that this mouth could just lift people up and elevate them and could be used by you. Offer my life to you, Jesus. I give myself to you, Lord. Use me for your glory, Lord Jesus. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Now, come on, just invite him. Just enroll in his school. I dare you. Lord, for the next couple weeks, would you just make me more aware of the moving and giftings of your spirit than ever before? Lord, may they be in a pronounced way louder, clearer, and stronger for each one of us from the youngest child to the eldest senior. And I pray you just give us just a boost of courage. Holy Spirit, stand up inside of us to your tallest posture of bravery within us, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Teach us your ways. And then, Lord, when you use us, Lord Jesus, teach us how to go back to you and learn and hone our ability to hear, to purge ourselves out of that gift more and more and more as the days and years go on so it becomes purer and purer and purer in manifestation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we just pray, I want to invite you to do something. You ever flown a kite before? You know, the whole deal of the kite is that you're in control of how risky it gets, right? So, you, you, you know, the flying part, you run for a little while, and you get the thing up in the air 20, 30 feet, and then what do you do? When you catch the wind, you get at the right angle, then what do you do? Let some string out, right? And you can keep letting it out. I mean, you, you can let it out the whole way and let it go to Mars, whatever, if you want to, but I want to invite you for these next few moments, as we begin to pray, would you just kind of start flying your kite with the Lord and just let some string out. Just trust him. He's not going to fall upon you right now and make you wet your pants and pass out. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. I mean, he, he can do inexplicable things, but he's not here to make you look stupid or embarrass you. He's here to magnify Jesus in and through your life. Come on, let's throw fear out the window. Remember, he's the spirit of Jesus, right? He's not the spirit of somebody else. He's the spirit of Jesus, God's personal spirit. So come on. Lift your kite in the air and, and let's just let's just trust him right now. Take a deep breath and relax. Oh, Spirit of the Lord, I trust you. You're the Spirit of Jesus. Take me places I could never get to by myself. Yeah, I welcome new levels of giftedness, new levels of Holy Spirit interaction. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Open my life to you. Open my life to you, Lord. That's it. Come on, just lift your voice a decibel louder. Lift your hands an inch higher. Just let some more string out. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. I just want to honor you. Upon my human sacrifice of obedience, would you add supernatural fruitfulness by your spirit? Let me feel things I've never felt before. Let me sense things I've never sensed before. Let me cooperate and partner with you in supernatural ways I've never partnered with you before. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Some of you are experiencing a bubbling up inside from a different shelf than where you were thinking in your inner being. There's coming up some data right now. It's words in a brand new language you've never spoken. That's not the public gift of tongues right now in this environment. That's a supernatural language of prayer that's accompanying your spirit baptism. If that's happening right now as you're letting some string out on a kite, just go ahead and begin to speak out loud those words that seem to you to be funny. It flows very naturally if you just let it. 
Just let it flow. Thank you, Lord. Others, God's giving you wisdom to know what to do. He's ministering, minister healing here in just a moment. Just reach out to me. Open my life to Jesus. Lord, open up your hands over our lives. Send your wisdom. Send your knowledge. Send your discerning, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. even more strength. Just trust Him right now. Just relax and draw near. Lean over the rail. You're not going to fall. He's here to help you. The Word of God is our safety net. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who only brings us into the things of Christ and ministers the things of Christ. Now come on, just reach in the kitchen right now. God, what in your heart of love are you doing in this room right now? Who are you healing? What are you speaking right now? What do you want us to know? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Share the Holy Spirit say he's healing some kind of a hip issue and some sciatica junk too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Digestive stuff is being healed. Thank you for it. Just drink in. Just drink in. Someone doesn't have to say it for you to receive it. Just reach in. He's generously pouring out right now. Thank you, Lord touching the pressures in someone's eyes right now. You've been having a long-term battle with that stuff. Thank you, Jesus. You just feel his hand washing over you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Jesus, express your love for your people. Express your love for you. Someone saying, after what my spouse has done, I could never forgive them. But God is saying, let me give you the supernatural ability right now. Come on, reach in the kitchen. He can give you the supernatural revelation of forgiveness. And now you can forgive where before you couldn't. There's a new start. There's new help for you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Don't just let the Holy Spirit flow through me. Let Him flow through you right now. Come on, don't be afraid. Just trust Him as you're letting the string out. When the Holy Spirit stirs you way down deep where nobody could ever manipulate you. Stirs you in your inner being where He lives. Just follow that leading. say neuropathy is being healed right now and I feel like that word is bigger than just this room if you're watching online and you're battling with neuropathies in some way just receive the healing presence of the Lord right now thank you for your goodness feel the Holy Spirit saying he's healing children right now there's some respiratory healing happening right now asthma that kind of stuff going down just receive it in the name of Jesus I love you Lord I love you Lord sending specially cut keys of wisdom words of wisdom to your life right now that they only will open up unlock that one area where you need it the most 
sending you wisdom in your family, wisdom in your relationship, wisdom in your job, wisdom in making critical decisions that are coming quickly upon you. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've had pain in your back or neck, just lift your hands up to God right now. Look up to heaven. Lord, I just pray that down these spines right now, you just pour healing virtue. Loosen up every muscle. Minister to every ligament, every joint, every disc. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. May pain leave in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you that have been hungry for spirit baptism and that new language that goes along with it, it's bubbling up again right now. Come on, just speak out loud the promptings you're getting. Those promptings were there at dinner. They came when you opened up to the Holy Spirit. Trust His promptings. Let it bubble up. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you have been so stressed out. Just take a deep breath in his presence. Just draw in his goodness right now. He's just imparting his peace to you. It passes understanding. That means it doesn't make sense in light of what you're going through that you have that level of peace. That's his supernatural peace he's revealing to you right now. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. on does someone else have a word does someone else have something that's bubbling up it's okay be willing to make a mistake let it bubble up maybe you've never been used and you have two or three words that are burning on your lips yeah could, could i ask the guys in the back to to bring this down and just put the background up so i don't know if everybody can see it but what what i was seeing was our DNA in the periphery. And what's going on in the middle is the glory of God, the happy hand of God moving over us and changing us. He's changing you. The glory of God is here tonight. How many know we're all like babies and we need a changing, right? Come on, would you reach your hands to God, the same Holy Spirit that gifts us also gives us supernatural purity in our life. We're going to talk about that tomorrow morning. Would you just think about a couple things that maybe you'd like the Lord to change in your character and your DNA and in this atmosphere of holiness, would you invite him to do that? You don't have to be that person you don't want to be anymore. He's here to help us. Come on, Lord Jesus. We just submit ourselves. Let your glory come and transform our DNA in Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. We don't have to be angry Joe or whatever. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you come and do supernatural change? Supernatural change. Amen. That, that confirms what I saw when we were praying up here, when we were first praying before the service. I saw baby pins um, that, you know, you use on the babies for the old diapers. And I was like, Hmm, why is the Lord showing me baby pins? Like, you know, um, 
And he's like, because there's a lot of babes here. There's a lot of babes, and, and, and it has to do that it has to do with changing the diaper. You know, you change the diaper, and you get rid of the old yucky diaper, and you put a fresh diaper on. You use those pins to keep them, hold them together. So I just thought that was really cool. I tell you what, um, God loves to use metaphors that mean something to all of us. How many have ever changed a diaper? Right? How many wearing a diaper that needs to be changed? No, don't raise your hand. But this is really cool because this really dovetails with where we're going tomorrow morning. So tomorrow morning, we're talking about the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in our character. It's just amazing the way he fixes things. And we're setting up tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's going to be the teaching on receiving spirit baptism. So for those of you that know what that is, you go, oh, awesome. And if you've already received, how many know God wants to update that anointing, wants you to download the update? It's always more. And for those of you who are not sure what that is, when you get baptized in water, um, it's cleansing. And if it's done properly, you get wet, right? When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, a prophecy given in every gospel and the central theme of the book of Acts, you get dunked in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And instead of getting wet, you get spiritual power to do more for the Lord. And if you've not yet experienced that, God's got really good things. And I've arranged for there to be no football games on TV tomorrow. That's the kind of clout that I have, all right? So don't miss that. Um, Pastor, do you need to come and do and say anything? Okay, you want to stick around and pray and just soak in God's presence? That's awesome. That's why this building is here. You need to go and get the kiddos to bed or whatever. Do that, fellowship, whatever. But let's just stay open to the Lord, all right? I wonder what God is cooking up for you even yet tonight or tomorrow morning. Would you reach into the kitchen and prayerfully seek Him and see what the Lord is having you to minister to your family and to your neighbors and to those around you? Yeah? This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.